Good morning and welcome. Hello. Real quickly, if you intended to attend the second Connect class that's going to happen right now over in the conference room, jump up real quick while the lights are off. Nobody will see you go over there. So our Connect number two Connect class, two out of three, happening with Pastor Daryl in the conference room right now. So if you meant to go, jump on over there. If you're joining us online this morning, thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We're glad to have you and hope you are as blessed as much in your home this morning as we will be right here because God's presence is with you as well as with us. This morning, I'd like to let you know about a women's breakfast happening next Saturday, Saturday morning at 830. It's a potluck deal. Ladies, grab your neighbors, friends, sisters, grab all your lady friends, come have breakfast together next Saturday morning. Stand up with me this morning. We're going to enter into praise and worship. The band's warmed up. They're ready to go. Sounded great this morning during first service. We have opportunities for you to worship with your tithes and offerings outside in the boxes located in the lobby. And if you would like to worship with the Lord's Supper, we have the elements set up on both sides of the auditorium below the rock pillars this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, you brought us together this morning for a reason. I'm excited to hear what it is. So, Father God, thank you for working through us. Thank you for working on us. Father God, just thank you for who you are. Bless us this morning as we spend time with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. shall continually be on my mouth. And this is the Lord that we're praising this morning. 3418, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Amen. 3422, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. That is a God worthy of praise. Amen. I praise in the valley, I praise on the mountain, I praise when I'm sure, I praise without him, I praise when I'm numbered, I praise when surrounded, cause praise is the water, my
waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. And he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. For you did not give, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father.
praise because you're the only one worthy of praise. You're the only one worthy of honor. You're the only one worthy of glory. Or everything that we have to give, Lord, if we're living the life we're supposed to live, everything goes to you. Everything belongs to you. All we have, all we are comes from you and you alone, Lord. be glorified this morning, not only in this place, not only in this city, Father, but throughout our nation and throughout the world, Lord, as the body praises you, as all creation praises and glorifies you, as the hosts of heaven praise you, Father, be glorified. For all glory and honor and praise to you and you alone, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Morning, NCC family. We're glad you're here. I'm Jeff Crawford, the administrative pastor here at NCC, coming to you today with our brief annual report of what's been going on at New Covenant over the past year. As many of you know, our vision here at New Covenant is to invite all people in Lampasas and the surrounding communities to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. We are a faith-filled, spirit-filled, family-friendly, and generationally focused body of believers with a deep commitment to sharing Christ with others and to welcoming the Holy Spirit and presence of God in our lives and throughout the community. This year, God has really been showing up and moving in many amazing ways. As you can see, in God's timing and through your blessings, we completed our sanctuary remodel. Our weekly attendance has increased 12%. We had 13 professions of faith and 18 baptisms. We once again gave out hundreds of the 10 Steps to Christ books. Our Heritage Daycare continues to thrive and minister to our community as the largest daycare in Lampasas. We currently have 46 children enrolled and a wonderful caring staff. We have a weekly chapel, which includes a puppet show ministry, just like in our Sunday morning services. NCC has worked with a variety of ministries locally, nationally, and worldwide in many ways including giving our financial support with over 118,000 given this past year. You can see a list of all the ministries we support and much more about NCC by scanning the QR code or going to our website. 
In November, our NCC Early Childhood Kids and Youth had the honor of uniting as a team to help provide over 1,740 pounds of food for the community during Thanksgiving at the Lampasas Mission. The food that was collected provided over 145 full Thanksgiving meals for families in our community. It is getting close to Thanksgiving again, so let's be ready to step up our game and provide even more for those in need. Our NCC Early Childhood Ministry, which ministers to children, birth through kindergarten, continues to thrive. Our Early Childhood Department is focused on ministering to our littles through Bible stories, worship, and puppet shows, which reinforce the Bible. Each Sunday morning, we are averaging over 30 little ones, and we are so blessed to have nine adult volunteers and four youth volunteers helping out in this area. Now, our NCC Kids Ministry is now in the third year of services being held in the NCC West Building. Each Sunday morning and Wednesday night, our NCC Kids Ministry reaches out to first through fifth graders in our community with fun activities, praise and worship, Bible lessons, skits, and small groups. This year, we had peak attendance at 77 kids on our Wednesday night service. NCC is blessed with 27 dedicated volunteers on Sunday mornings and 25 volunteers who serve on Wednesday nights. Overall, there are 20 adults who serve and 16 youth who participate in volunteering in the kids' department. In our NCC youth ministry, we have averaged 40 individual teenagers this year in our youth services where we worship together. We share the word and participate in small group ministries. Over the last year, the youth also participated in several special events and extremely fun game nights. At the beginning of the summer, 55 of our youth and our youth leaders attended youth camp in Livingston, Texas at Camp Boxwood. We are so excited to share that we had three salvations during our time there. These three ministries would not be possible without all of the adult and youth that faithfully volunteer to love on our children and our youth. In addition to these ministries, we have multiple life groups, including this marriage ministry, a women's ministry, a men's ministry, and even more in the planning stages. I also want to give a quick shout out to our volunteers, our amazing worship team who leads us each week, our greeters, our safety team, hospitality, and ministry and prayer team, and many more. None of this would be possible without each of you, so thank you. Lastly, I want to take a minute to acknowledge our financial review board who each serve a three-year term and help provide financial transparency and accountability. For more details on how our budget finished off in 2023 and our spending plan that will run from September 1st through the end of August of 2024, you can find the full annual budget report on our website. Of course, none of the ministries highlighted this morning could be accomplished without each of you who support NCC with your time, talent, tithes, and offerings. Thank you for participating with us as we seek to glorify God in all we do. We count it as a joy and blessing to serve alongside each of you, our church family, in advancing the kingdom of God. Now please join me in welcoming Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Good morning. 
We are so glad that you are with us this morning, and for those of you joining us online, welcome. Well, if you've been with us for more than one year, you know we made a huge leap in uh, our annual report. <laughs> uh, last year, it was uh, like it has been the last uh, seven years, which was just me with some PowerPoint slides sharing what God has done in the last year. Um, our, our team that has been growing over uh, time had just knocked it out of the park with that. I want to uh, just acknowledge Amanda Thomas. Uh, she spent many, many hours editing that video, and also Lauren Crawford. She took video and photos, and some of those, if you were involved in, the, in all those, some of those are very, very recent, and some go back a little ways, because uh, we may not have had a recent uh, picture from some of those groups, but um, one of the things that I also wanted to highlight was that we'd had 18 baptisms at the time of the filming. We had four more. So we finished the year at the end of September with 22 baptisms. Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, and we, we have more coming. <laughs> so, uh, and if you haven't been baptized but would like to, please let us know. We would love to get that uh, set up. Uh, I also just want to, to say personally, thank each and every one of you who volunteers and serves in an area of ministry. Often we also say it's, it goes far beyond the ministries that are, are just in the, in the body here, whether it's you know a greeter or with kids or worship ministry. We're thankful for all those. But I also know of many of you who are serving in the community and God has called you to minister in another place. And our heart is that you serve and work where God has called you to minister. And so we thank you wherever you are choosing to serve and where God is calling you to serve. Also, for those who uh, faithfully and continually support us in tithes and offerings, nothing that God is doing here could be done without your faithful support. So thank you. Um, if you have your Bible with you, uh, turn to Jeremiah 18, whether it's a physical Bible, if you have your Bible app, we're going to get there in just a moment. We started a new series last Sunday called Relationship Revealed, that God is all about revealing himself to us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you. And I really believe that God uh, uses every means possible, every, uh, every thing at his disposal, literally from the stars in the heaven uh, to every example that he can come up with to give us a glimpse of how he wants to relate with us. I mentioned last week that throughout the word of God, he uses metaphors. And a metaphor is just a word or phrase that ordinarily is used to designate one thing in order to designate another. And God uses relationships that we can understand, that we can comprehend, that we're familiar with around our daily life, or if not our daily life, historically, we can look back and understand what that relationship was like and get a glimpse of the relationship that he wants to have with us. And there are aspects of how he relates to us that are similar to the relationships that he has used throughout the word of God and used metaphors uh, to tell us about how he relates to us or desires to relate, relate to us. These types of examples throughout the Bible just give us that glimpse of what it can look like. Uh, what I also want us to be clear on, though, is that all of these are similar they tell us what it is like. It's not an exact thing. We can't correlate the things that, that God has shown us, for example, like a shepherd and his sheep. That's a very common metaphor you use throughout the Bible of how God relates to us. But we can't say that 
our relationship with God is exactly like a shepherd to his sheep. Jesus in the New Testament over and over and over in parables said, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like that. It's like this. And the reason for that is he couldn't tell us exactly what it was like because if he did, we wouldn't comprehend it. We can't understand it. We read last week that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. If he were to tell us, we, it would be out of our comprehension, out of our understanding. But God so wants to relate with us and so wants to relate with you as an individual that he goes above and beyond with all of these examples saying, it's like this and it's like this and it's like this and it's like this. There's a, an example of, of all the ways that God reveals himself as, as a circle. And if you were to look at that circle and on this side, you might find God the Savior. On this side, he's the Redeemer. On this side, he's the Fortress. On this side, he's our Sustainer. And all of those are ways that he's revealed himself to us in Scripture. But if you're coming to him from this side right now and your neighbor's coming at him from this side because that's what they need and that's how God's revealing himself to them and your spouse is over here and your kids are over here. Y'all could come and be like, God's like this. And they'd be like, no, he's like this. And the no, he's this way. And the answer is yes. He's all those things and thousands and thousands and thousands of others that we can't even begin to comprehend. There are ways that God is that I think there's no way for him to relate to it. There's no example. There's not enough examples in the Bible to be able to give the, the, the magnitude of his glory and his majesty and who he truly is. But he has revealed to us everything we need to know to relate to him. Because he wants a relationship with us, with you. As I mentioned last week, this is only a three-week series. Pastor Gerald's going to finish it next Sunday. And the reason that I believe God asked to do it that way, because I really thought it would be a five, six-week series, was because there are so many different ways. And if we added three more, we'd still be just scratching the surface. And what I really believe is that God desires you to get into the Word of God on your own, to ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation as you read and study His Word, to ask Him how He is trying to relate to you today. And listen to His voice. Listen to what He is speaking to you. And I also mentioned last week that a lot of times we think we know what we need and we think we come to God asking for what we need, but God says that's not what you need. That's not who you need me to be. This is who you need in this time because guess what? He knows more than we do. And so we need to trust him and put our faith in him to reveal himself as we can understand and comprehend today and as we need to be in relationship with him today. So this morning we're going to see how God doesn't just relate to individuals. He also relates to nations and kingdoms. He showed this aspect of himself when he spoke to the prophet Jeremiah and compared his relationships to kingdoms and nations to that of a potter with his clay. 
We're going to take a look at this account. If you are already there, it's Jeremiah chapter 18. If not, you can turn there now, but it'll also be up on the screen. Jeremiah 18, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house. And we're going to stop right there. This is kind of a side side road we're going to go down. Because every time I read this this week, I couldn't get away from that first statement. God said, arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will speak to you. Jeremiah didn't have to go. God spoke to him. He heard him. Jeremiah had to respond to God's word. He said, go to the house of the potter, and there I will speak to you. And it says, so he went to the house of the potter. He was obedient. And we are going to see in in a moment in other scriptures where that is our responsibility. Over and over and over and over throughout our walk with God, we are called to respond to his voice. And we have to choose each and every single time. Now, doesn't, I'm not saying if we get it wrong once, he's, we're out. But it's, it's over and over and over. God gives us the opportunity. When we make the wrong choice, he gives us the chance to come back. But each time, we're the one responsible. He is doing everything he can to relate to you, to speak to you. But we have to hear his voice and respond. Verse 4. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter. Then the word of the Lord came to me. So, Isaiah sees this, I'm sorry, uh, Jeremiah sees this play out. He sees the potter make a mistake. He sees him clump it back up and start over again and make something new. And after he has seen this example play out in real life before him, then the word of the Lord comes to him in verse 6. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? And I want to point out here that God's not speaking to Jeremiah He's not speaking to one person in Israel. He's speaking to the entire house of Israel, the nation of Israel. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, And if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I have intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. But they say that is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. So God says, I deal with nations and kingdoms. 
like this potter who's dealing with clay. And if it doesn't go the way he planned, he'll start over again and make something new. It's a way that God is revealing himself to us and saying, it is like this. This is how I deal with the world, with nations. And he says, if I've chosen to bless a nation, but they walk away from me, they're not going to be blessed. And if I chose to judge a nation, but they turn to me and repent, then they will be blessed. And there's passages that speak exactly like this of the individual. It says if a man is being righteous and following God, but turns away and walks away, he's walked away from God and his relationship. He's no longer with God. But if an unrighteous man who has been evil in his ways turns from his wicked ways and turns and repents and turns to God, he says, then I will welcome him in. Each and every day we continue to seek and follow him, both as individuals and as nations and kingdoms. And God said his desire is for everyone to come. He made a way for everyone to come. But it's a two-way relationship, as is every other relationship that we have. I mentioned last week that I'm a father and a son and a husband and a friend and an acquaintance to many. And each one of those, I relate differently to the person that I'm relating with based on the relationship that we have. And we are only capable of dealing with one of those at a time. How much more? Is God in all of his glory and all of his ways more complex and beyond our understanding? That's where, like I said earlier, I think we, we relate with him in one of those ways at a time because we couldn't handle more than that. And what we're seeing here is that God not only relates with individuals, but with nations. I believe one of the things that this message will speak to, and I hope God, uh, through the Holy Spirit, gives you revelation this morning, is that you can have peace in Him and trust in Him because everything is in His hands. He has a plan. There's more nations on, I, I don't even know how many nations there are in the world today. God does. If we put a list of all the nations in the world, I guarantee you there'd be names on that list that, we don't recognize. There's cities in the world that have tens of millions of people that we wouldn't even know the name of the city. God does. And he's doing everything that he can to relate to them. But they have to respond as an individual. They have to respond as part of the body of Christ. They have to respond as a city. They have to respond as a nation. There's a an account in the Old Testament where God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he lets Abraham in. And he says, get your family out of there. His, his brother-in-law lived there and his family. And Abraham intercedes for the city. And he says, well, but God, would you destroy it if there were 50 righteous people there? And God says, no, for 50 righteous, I wouldn't destroy it. And he says, God... I'm sorry for bothering you, but would you do it for 45? And God says, no, for 45, I would would let it be. 
And then he apologizes again and he said, God, I, you know, I know you're being merciful and graceful for just listening to me. Would you do it for 30? Would you spare the city for 30? And God says, I would spare it for 30. And then he's bold enough to ask one more time and he says, God, would you do it for 10? And God says, I would redeem it for 10. It wouldn't be destroyed for 10. So God is gracious, gracious and merciful, even in his dealings with cities and nations. And I don't know what that number is for a nation, but God has a heart for the nations. He has a heart for cities. He has a heart for you. And he is relating at all of those levels, all at the same time. And we can't even begin to comprehend it. But that is the work that he is doing and we can trust him. We can trust him with the whole world. He's the only one that we can trust. And we can't understand it. We won't be able to understand it, but we can put our hope and trust in him and have peace knowing that it is in his hands. Just like in the hands of a potter and if it needs to be remade, he's going to remake it. We think we have control over things. We don't have any control. The things that we think we control, we don't. One thing could happen and prove that we have zero control. Only God is in control. Only God is seated on a throne that will last for all eternity and has been for all eternity. He is in control and we can trust him even if we can't fully understand him. But one thing we can always do is pray. And praying is just talking to God. We have the ability through Jesus Christ. He's made a way. He's restored that relationship that was broken to talk to the creator of the heavens and the universe. It's unbelievably good news. It's amazing news. And yet, just like we read a moment ago, often our response is, this is in vain. We're going to follow our own plans and we're going to act according to the stubbornness of our evil hearts. We choose our way as opposed to turning to God, talking to God, listening to God, spending time with God, the only one who knows the way. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, hear, hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Notice that doesn't say when those sinners out there get it right. It says, when the people that I called, when the people that I've redeemed, when the people that I made a covenant with, when they come back because they walked away, they rejected him, if they will come back and repent and turn from me and follow me, then I will hear and then I will hear, heal their land. We're the ones that are supposed to be going first, not the people who are lost out there. We make decisions every single day to either follow him or continue walking away from him. 
Every day that we're blessed with another day, every day that your lungs fill with air and you're able to walk on this earth, you can either choose to follow him or you can turn back and walk away. And if you're here this morning and you have never chose to follow him, today you can do that. You can choose to give him your life and submit your life to him and then do it every day for the rest of your life. Over and over and over. Every time he speaks to you, every time the Holy Spirit convicts you, you respond to him because he has saved you and redeemed you. I promise if you do, it will transform your whole life. You will literally be a new creation. And the word of God is what tells us that's true. We see this clearly in another way that God shows that he, he interacts with much more than us as individuals uh, in another area of Scripture. And not only that he interacts with us as nations and kingdoms, but that he interacts with all of humanity. And interestingly enough, this one starts out with a prophetic word that involves a potter as well. It's found in Zechariah eleven ten through 14. We read, and I took my staff favor and I broke it, annulling the covenant that I had made with all the peoples. And this is a prophetic act that the prophet Zechariah is doing. Once again, Israel and Judah have turned away from God and they're being judged. And once again, God says, I want to show myself. I want to reveal myself as clear as I possibly can in a relationship. And he sent the prophet Jeremiah to work as a shepherd over sheep and to to display God's relationship to his people. But they still won't listen. They still won't turn. And so Zechariah breaks this staff favor and annuls on that day the covenant that had been made. And the sheep traders who were watching me, they knew that it was the word of the Lord. And then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. And then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. And then I broke my second staff union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. So there's a couple things I want to point out there. First of all, um, that God told him to take that 30 pieces of silver and throw it into the temple to the potter. And he also says, I want to be clear, he says, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. That's the word of God. It wasn't that they priced Zechariah at 30 pieces of silver. They had priced their relationship with God the Father at 30 pieces of silver and were saying, we don't want anything to do with you anymore. The same way they had rejected God and that God was sending Zechariah to be in this relationship with them as a shepherd. Now they're rejecting Zechariah and putting him out and saying, here's your 30 pieces of silver. Get out of here. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, take those 30 pieces of silver and throw it to the potter, and he did it in the house of the Lord. There's going to be something significant about that. Don't forget that um, piece of information. We'll come to that in just a moment. But right now, I want to look at what is so significant about 30 pieces of silver. 
In Exodus 21, 32, it says, If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. 30 pieces of silver in Exodus was the price of a slave, the price of a servant. So in Zechariah, God is making this sarcastic remark that they have given me the lordly sum, the lordly price of 30 pieces of silver. He's saying, my relationship with my people is worth the life or the cost of a slave. And so he says, throw it to the temple, throw it to the potter. Now we jump to Matthew 26, 14 through 16. It says, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. The price, the value of the Son of God who came to save and redeem the world, who came to literally give of his own life that we all might be saved through his sacrifice, through his atonement, through his redemption. The price that we set on his head was 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. Then we jump to Matthew 27. It says, When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. And then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. They knew his blood was innocent. They said, what's that to us? We don't care. You figure it out yourself. And it says Judas threw the 30 pieces of silver at them. Where? In the temple in the house of God, the same place that God said to take the silver and throw it into the temple to the potter. Well, what happens next? But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, it's not lawful to put them into the treasury since it's blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord had directed me. So God the Father a little over 500 years before Jesus Christ would come to this earth, gave a very specific prophetic word. One of the over 300 prophecies that would be fulfilled, that would prove that Jesus Christ was who he said he was and is. 
It was something totally out of the hands of Jesus Christ. At this point, he's arrested. He can't control that, but it's still in someone's hands who can. God the Father. And God the Father accomplished what he said would happen 500 years before. And the word of the prophet was fulfilled. And they took the money that was thrown into the temple and bought the potter's field because it was blood money. And they rejected the Son of God just like they had rejected God the Father 500 years before and time and time and time before that. Why would he come back? Why does he want a relationship with us that bad? It doesn't make sense. If it was any of us, we'd have given up long, long, long ago. It's because he loves us. He absolutely loves us. And he will show it to us over and over and over again in any way that he possibly can because he wants to reach you and he wants a relationship with you. And no matter how many times we reject him, no matter how many times we price him at the value of a slave, he says, I still love you and I still want a relationship with you and I'm still going to come and redeem you and I'm still going to make a way. And whether you choose me or not, the way is going to be there. And we have to choose. And we get to choose every single day that we have breath in our lungs. There's a a note here. (laughs) It's kind of a not that big of a thing. But I do want to point it out because if, if you noticed it, it might bring some confusion or doubt. And I don't know if anybody noticed it or not. We had, I think, two in the first service that did. But did you realize that we read in uh, Zechariah about the prophecy of the 30 pieces of silver? And then in Matthew, it says that it was in the book or the prophet Jeremiah. Those words were fulfilled. And so it appears to be a contradiction. Like, why, did, why are they quoting Jeremiah for a prophecy that came from Zechariah? Well, the Old Testament was referred to in three sections. The law, the prophets, and the writings. And the, the prophets, you know, we have books of the Bible now. Back then, everything were scrolls. Uh, the scroll of the prophets at that time began with the scroll of Jeremiah. And they, rather than uh, referring to it as just the book or the scroll of the prophets, they would refer to it as the scroll of Jeremiah, but not referring to the literal scroll of Jeremiah, but referring to the whole scroll of all the prophets. And so here, uh, and, and everybody would have known that at that time. Matthew knew that. The people who were hearing him knew that. They knew when he was saying, as Jeremiah prophesied, or as is found in the scroll of Jeremiah or the scroll of the prophets, 
everybody knew that he was talking about a prophecy that Zechariah had done. Um, so anyway, that just want to clarify that. If, if you see that and think, oh, there's a contradiction in the Bible. Um, anytime you come across one, dig or ask a question because there aren't any. It, it does all fit together. So God revealed himself to Zechariah and the people of Israel as a potter to show that he is sovereign over all things. And then he uses the potter and the price of a slave to show the value humanity would put on his son, his only son, sent from heaven to restore our relationship with the Father, not with one person, but with every single one, with all of humanity for all time the way is made. So through this example, God says, I relate with kingdoms and nations, but I also relate with the whole world. God the Father, through Jesus Christ the Son, would make a way to relate to the whole world, and then they would send us God the Holy Spirit to be with us, to dwell with us, so that we would not be alone. His love is overwhelming. We're going to close with three short verses, just a few of many that show this very clearly. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Will we live for the sake of the one who died so that we might live? 1 John 2.2, He, Jesus Christ, is the propitiation. That's a big word that means the atonement. Jesus Christ is the atonement. He's the one who makes the appeasement. He's the one who paid the price for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires a relationship with all of us. He's made a way for a relationship with all of us. He leaves the choice up to us. He leaves the choice to individuals. He leaves the choice to cities. He leaves the choice to nations. He leaves the choice to the world. And he says, if you're living a life of not choosing me, of living unrighteously, but you choose to follow me, then we're going to have a relationship. If you were following me and chose to follow me, but then walk away and desert me and go away, I'll let you go. It's our choice. We have to choose to follow Him and to keep following Him, to hear His voice and respond Invite the ministry teams forward. I pray that we'll all respond this morning. You respond if you don't respond. There we, the world 
doesn't have an option to not respond. If we choose to follow our own heart, our own evil way, the stubbornness of our own plans, that's a choice. If we choose to follow Him, that's the only other choice. It's every day, every moment of every day, and every day that He graces us with the life to live today, we get to choose. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Father God, I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the living word, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you love us so much, the entire world so much, that you've made a way for us to relate to you. And you've shown how you relate to us countless ways, any way that we might understand from the stars in the heaven to the oceans throughout the globe, Father, through every aspect of your creation that declares your glory, you have made a way for us to know you. And we get to respond. Father, I pray that we will respond to you today and every day. Father God, I pray that we respond not only in this place, in this room, but when we walk out these doors, that we would be a witness and example to our families, to our children, to our coworkers, to everyone that we encounter, that we would be a witness of you and your love and your glory. Or I pray that your people who are called by your name will humble themselves, will turn from their wicked ways, will repent. Lord, I repent of my sins. I repent of every area that I have failed you, Father God. I repent, Lord, for, for not trusting you with so many things. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive your people. that we might continually respond to you and come to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Please come forward. If you have anything to pray for, if you would like agreement with prayer, if you would like to just pray at the front, respond to the Lord this morning. I will lift up 
and I will trust you. I will trust you alone. And I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You give us the heart to respond to you this morning and every moment of every day that we have left. Father, that our ears would be continually listening for your voice, straining to hear even the, the quietest whisper, Lord, of you revealing yourself to us. Lord, and that our heart would be just excited and waiting to respond at the moment that we hear it. Father God, I pray that the body of Christ would be the body of Christ, responding to the mind of Christ. Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. We give you all glory and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. The ministry team will continue to be here. If you have anything that you would like them to agree with you in prayer on, or you have anything that you would like to respond to.